Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, we'll be talking about IOMT, or the Internet of Medical Things. And be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So how wired are you, Colin? Is, uh, are, are you being monitored right now? <laughs> well, uh, I think I think my wife might be making sure that I uh, don't spend too much time in front of my computer. But no, I am I'm not being monitored in any way that I know of. Yeah, it's funny. I like, I have no no wristwatch, which that would be the probably most common. I don't I don't wear. I do step on a scale every morning, so that that's a uh, you know thank you Wythings for a great scale that monitors and it helps a lot. I, I I can see how it's a downside for some people and discouraging, but I find it really motivating. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, IOMT is such a, it, it, it's a relatively new term, obviously, but it, it's such a wide-ranging one as well, right? It refers to, obviously, medical devices that are connected to a network somehow. Uh, when I think of IOMT, I certainly think about things that are inside the hospital, right? Whether those in, are infusion pumps, uh, beds, uh, you know, glucose monitors, like, you know, anything that's taking a patient's vitals, to, to me, those are the medical things that, uh, when, well, at least when that term comes up, that's what I think of in my head. What, what do you think when you see that term, John? What do you think of? Yeah, I mean, it, it has become pretty much everything because when you walk around the show floor at Hims or Vive or one of the conferences, you realize, wait, every single device here, every you know, anything is being connected because you need it either to report the data from an interoperability standpoint. And so you need it, you know, that, that medical device to report the clinical data, or even if you don't have clinical data, you have devices reporting how they're doing. Do they need maintenance? Are they being used? Are they, you know, being tracked? So pretty much everything in healthcare is connected and, <laughs> and, and is reporting some sort of data, whether it's clinical data or maintenance data for you to be able to maintain that product or to know usage, et cetera. So I, 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 you know, I look at it very broadly, you know, from an IOT applied to healthcare, which includes a lot of things that maybe aren't medical specific, but are used by medical personnel. Yeah, that's true too. Like a lot of the devices and a lot of the things that could be connected could be just simply for location information, right? It may not yeah, actually be for anything uh, vitals or clinical, clinically related, as you put it. Could just be like, oh, I'm here, or hey, I need maintenance, or hey, it's time to replace me, uh, or replace the batteries, or or those types of things. Those are all devices that can be connected to the internal network um, and giving off information. But you know. Like to me, like it's just there's so many of those things now, right? Like there, you know, I was surprised when Hill Rom, you know, had their beds, you know, and all the telemetry that comes from the bed that the patients are in, the stretchers that they're in, even the wheelchairs that they're in. They're all now, as we as you said, when we walk around those conferences, but you can't have a device unless it's connected. Right? It almost <laughs> seems like that's sort of you'd be default. embarrassed if it wasn't, right? <laughs> Right. It's not, yeah. What kind of device are you creating that's not connected to the internet or not connected to the network somehow? Right. 
But well, and it's interesting also that like you have medical devices like infusion pumps that weren't really connected that now are becoming connected to report on that information. Uh, you know, I think that's really interesting coming, you know, medical devices being connected. Whereas the bed is the opposite. The bed was connected to TV and some things like that, right? Uh, certainly it was doing some entertainment things, whatnot, but it wasn't really clinically related. It was patient experience related as far as what most of it was, but now it's like moved to communication. And now, like you said, it's actually even doing monitoring. It's, it's, you have monitors within the bed or under the mattress or whatever that are monitoring vitals and information. So it's interesting how one was clinical and, you know, it brought, you know, it started connecting and the other one was non-clinical and now it's becoming clinical. So it's the, the merging of those worlds is really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that, and as you put it, the definition of a medical device has changed, right? Like I would never have considered a bed to be a medical device or a wheelchair, <laughs> right? But but here we are talking about connected wheelchairs, right? And connected IV poles and and things like that. It is, you know, it it can be ridiculous when you think about it in certain contexts. Like, why do we need a connected IV pole? But then you realize, oh, like maybe because we need to locate them, or maybe that's the way you locate the patient, right? Like it, it, you know, or or the medications that are on it and you know, there's all these things that you can do with, with that information. You know, for me, I, I'm excited about um, a couple of categories of, of IOMT devices. Um, one actually is the bed, like these, these formerly uh, inanimate, unconnected devices. I think there's actually potential in connecting them. Um, you mm. know, the beds in particular, like you said, to monitor vitals, but also to man- monitor for you know, bed sores and things like, you know, has this patient actually turned, right? Or been turned or, or do they actually get out, get out of their bed? And so that's something that before you couldn't actually monitor. It was very difficult to track that, but now we can, right? So we can, we can uh, look at the, the amount of time that patients are ambulating inside their, inside their room. And uh, so I, I look at that category of devices and I'm pretty excited about those ones. Is there one category that stands out for you, John? Yeah, well, I'm I'm chewing on what you said about you know oh should an infusion fusion pump be connected those type of things right I was thinking about my experience I met with Aten Medical in uh, in Israel when I was visiting and and it was amazing what they've done with infusion pumps and and actually how they literally have modules that clamp onto the the older infusion pumps to be able to provide the connectivity that people desire now it, you know again from a maintenance and a from a communicating the uh, the medical knowledge information. And, and so I, I actually think that's still a huge opportunity. Uh, you know, there was an entire company built around this with a black box underneath the bed to communicate that data because it was so desired to be able to connect it. So, you know, I, I think that's that category is still fascinating and important uh, because we need that real-time monitoring to be able to do the AI on top of that real-time monitoring from these these different uh, devices and medical devices out there. Uh, you know, th- the other ones that I'll throw a few out there that are just fascinating that they are part of it. <laughs> like, that, you know, I, I, sure, I mean, who, who doesn't love medical devices being connected and the beds are, are, are just evolving so quickly. 
even the signs up on the on the wall, right? Like mm-hmm. they're being connected from a communication standpoint, right? And an alert standpoint. And uh, I, I don't know, it's fascinating to see those. But some other ones, uh, for example, uh, you know, I think of R zero and their ultraviolet light. You know, cleaning the different rooms or the different spaces within a healthcare organization. Those are connected devices that are reporting back from a compliance and a safety standpoint that are that are really interesting. There's of course all the hand washing ones uh you know that they are monitoring did they wash their hands how long did they wash their hands you know and be able to report back on that compliance and safety and 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 how you know how effective is this program at doing it are they are they doing what we've uh, asked them to do i think that's a, another area that's really fascinating and then of course one that we've mentioned on the program a few times before because it's still just so shocking that they're doing it is like monitoring scrub usage, right? <laughs> like you're like, wait, yeah. we, we need IoT for scrubs, and you're like, yeah, actually, you do. They're really expensive, and they're, they're used by a lot of organizations. And making sure it's used properly is really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to double down and, and mention another set uh, of uh, of devices that I'm excited about, and and that's really around monitoring. Um, uh, wearables, but not in the classic sense of the wristband, mm. like the wristband wearables. I'm talking about wearables being like the cast that's put on your broken leg, right? Wow. Or the brace that you're wearing uh, that you have to wear in order to rehab your knee, right? Or 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 things like those uh, those kinds of devices that are now capable of monitoring and measuring the amount of strain you're putting on it, mm. whether or not you're exercising it, uh, whether or not you're exercising it at the right times, right, and the right ways, and and then you know doing 3D models of your gait and and all that kind of stuff. These are things, again, that, that just weren't possible to do uh, before. And, and the hope is when you monitor patients in this way and g- can give them that feedback, then they're able to recover faster, right? Or maybe you don't need, you know, a, a one-on-one trained uh, physiotherapist with every patient. You can go with one to two, right? And because they're using these devices and seeing themselves on the monitor and kind of going, oh, okay, I got to adjust my, my walking steps or my strides. Like, <clears throat> This is a fantastic, to me, a fantastic use of medical devices. And every time I see them at Health and Vibe and, and Hims, I'm always excited to go over and see what are some of the benefits and what are some of the things that they've started to realize by giving these things to patients. Yeah, we probably need to have you come to CES where that really explodes, you know, as far <laughs> as that. And I think that, you know, it's interesting. We talked a lot about the IOMT within the hospital, but I think we're seeing the explosion outside of the hospital as well. I, I was really fascinated by a company called Essence Smart Care, also in my Israel trip. And, and they have created all of those, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up category of, right. <laughs> of safety devices, you know, to be able to monitor your loved one when, you know, they're living on their own, et cetera, right? And they may need some, you know, care or whatnot. But what was interesting is they have all of those, you know, emergency buttons, the the necklace, et cetera, right, to be able to monitor that's, you know, and we've seen a huge evolution. When you apply a GPS and accelerometer, you can do lots of interesting things there. But what was interesting about Essence Smart Care is they did all of that, you know, connected to a call center that can send emergency personnel, can contact your loved one, et cetera, right? But then they also are bridging the gap to the health side of things, you know, whether it's, a, a, you know, a finger sensor for, you know, O2, right? Or whether it's a blood pressure cuff or, you know, some of these other devices 
you know, having both of those, I hadn't seen another company do that. And I, so I think it will be interesting to see how they evolve the company to be able to address both clinical things and safety things for seniors. And, and so I, anyway, that's a, that's a space I'm going to be watching as well is do those two integrate? Do they make sense to be together? Can the call center support calls for both of those things or how does that evolve? Does it need to go to the doctor for one thing and, you know, the safety personnel for the other, uh, you know, that's an interesting space to watch. I d- definitely agree with you. I mean, I, I agree with you in the sense of I should go to CES at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, yeah, I mean, there's just everything from, you know, connected spoons, right. As we heard from CES a few years ago to all the devices that are in the home. I mean, that to me, you're right, is the more interesting side, a very interesting side of growth, right. You, there's going to be growth definitely in the medical uh, side in the hospitals and in clinics, but the explosion of devices in the home is just going to be phenomenal. And it's going to be fun to watch to see uh, how much more medically connected our homes are going to be. Yeah. What do you think about the people monitoring what you eat? You know, I, I met I met a friend at, at uh, I think it was a health conference, uh, you know, out of Denver. And she was talking about, you know, this company she was working with that was, you know, that she says has finally conquered the, you know, take a picture of your food and it will tell you how, what, you know, how many calories, et cetera. I, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical that that really changes behavior and that the tech works. But, uh, you know, what what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I personally think it's a little bit creepy, but I do also understand for those <laughs> that are really concerned about diet and just need that help to maybe maintain a certain diet or, you know, that, that need that kind of service. I mean, th- I think there's a market for that, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think that's sort of, you know, how far do you go, right? <laughs> like how, uh, you know. That well, they're just, putting me, cameras in your stomach. They're swallowing medical pills, and they're monitoring your, you know, your your stomach, you know, your biome. I think as, as they call it, right? I mean that that that's all happening, right? Yeah, <laughs> and again, I think there's a certain a certain market for that. Like I think, and I think if people need that kind of level of 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 coaching, let's call it, or reassurance, then I, you know, I think obviously it's great, but I think for the common person, like I, I don't really want my insurance company knowing what I'm eating. Right. Like, do I really yeah, want them true. to know yeah, that I'm having a hamburger again, right. <laughs> like, or another cheese slice of cheesecake in, in both our cases, John. <laughs> hey, if you're just tuning in uh, to this episode, you're listening to healthcare IT today with John Lynn and Colin Hung. And today we're talking about the internet of medical things. So, John, let me let me quote you a statistic here just to give you some context. Okay. So, according to DataBridge Market Research, they came out with their, with, uh, their research in December of 2022. They estimate that the IOMT market in 2021 was about 49 billion US dollars. That's how much the entire market was worth. By 2029, so just eight years later, uh, they're estimating it will be 270 billion. Uh, dollars, the IOMT market. So that is a phenomenal growth. It's outpacing uh, a lot of other areas of healthcare in terms of growth. So it also means to me, uh, just explosion in the number of devices, uh, both within a hospital and externally outside of the hospital. What do you think we need to prepare for, or should we be prepared uh, for with this explosion of IOMT devices? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, first, when you look at the numbers, it's like, 
it overlaps with a lot of different industries because everything is connected, right? Oh, is, is that, you know, million, multi-million dollar MRI machine, a connected machine and part of the market, right? Now, anyway, so it, those numbers are interesting, but, you know, we know it's going to grow, right? <laughs> like that, that's for sure. And what does that mean for a healthcare organization? Unfortunately, I think what it means is there's going to be the haves and the have-nots. I think there's going to be the the organizations that have the resources to be able to use all of that data are going to accelerate their use of it. They're going to be able to use less devices because that data is going to help them use it more optimally. It's going to provide better care to the patients because they're going to have access to the data, which will allow them to do the AI algorithms to prioritize which patients need nurses. And especially, you know, we've talked about a hundred thousand times now, it feels like uh, workforce issues that are happening. You know, this data is going to allow them with workforce issues to be able to address the patients that need them most, which means they're going to be able to provide higher level of care. They're going to be able to, you know, care for patients in a better way. So, you know, on the other side, you know, people that don't have the resources to use that data is going to be a problem because data in and of itself solves nothing, right? Like it's how do you take that data and make it useful to a person who's taking care of the patient or to, you know, whoever it is that's taking care of the devices. So yeah, unfortunately, I, I think there's a lot of excitement around it and it's going to provide some real opportunity. But I think, you know, three years from now, we're going to go into some hospitals and be like, wait, you're not using the data from this device to care for the patient or to improve your efficiency. And they'll be like, oh no, we haven't got to that. And you're like, wow, that's that's unfortunate that you've been suffering all these years when you could have benefited from that data. That's a good, that's a good point. I mean, we're going to be, you know, first of all, I think the flood of data, I mean, obviously from all these devices is going to be interesting uh in the sense that it could overwhelm people I was like, what do say, I do overwhelming <laughs> right? yeah it's an overwhelming amount of data and then also figuring out like what can i do what can i use it for like to your point there is value in it but what's the value mm-hmm. you know is is there actually value in monitoring how many, how many times someone gets out of the bed or not or is it simply more in general uh, they're just getting out of the bed once a day and that's good enough like you know what i mean like how do you set those thresholds that's going to be very interesting to to solve for I also think, you know, going to your workforce comment, we're going to need a lot more clinical engineers. <laughs> we're going to need a lot more people in the clinical engineering teams to run around and make sure that these devices are updated and and kept up to date and, uh, you know, uh, are, you know, uh, retired when they need to be retired. You know, we just don't have uh, the number of people necessary in those departments anymore to maintain the number of devices that are now going to be connected. Uh and then lastly, you know, just connecting these devices, like I know they all supposedly are going to be able to be Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, but just the capacity alone in your network to have all these devices constantly streaming data, right? It's not like they just ping it once in a while. These things are like constantly on the network. The infrastructure you need to have, that's going to be quite an ordeal for some people to upgrade their bandwidth to, to accommodate a lot of these devices. No, it's a good point. I mean, you've done a lot of work with Corning and their work in 5G. I was talking with NTT recently about 5G and what does it take and is this, you know, going to be important for healthcare? And and you can see there are some very specific use cases and and this explosion of IOMT is going to drive that 5G adoption. And it's going to be this private public partnership, right? Where you're going to implement a lot of the local stuff and then you're going to partner with the Verizon and AT&T, T-Mobile, whatever, to do some of the service stuff. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see that evolve because the connectivity is going to be key. Uh, you know, 
will Wi-Fi be able to do it? Do we have to go to, I think it's called the Wi-Fi 6 or something is the next one that people are looking at. So there's a lot to be explored there. But I actually don't worry so much about what you just described as far as the people to replace the devices and that. I think the vendors are going to step up for that. Even on the analytics side, they're going to do some. But I think actually that's where it's going to fall short. It's not so much, can I maintain the devices? Can I swap them out? Can I ensure they're upgraded? Budgets are going to be an issue there. We know that's the issue in healthcare, <laughs> upgrading devices and medical side. We've seen it for years, right? Same thing's going to happen uh, on this side. Uh, but I think for me, it's more the clinical informaticists that take that data and make some, do something useful with it. I just don't think there's enough, right? Mm-hmm. And what, are we going to steal a bunch of the doctors? That doesn't sound like a good strategy either, right? Or, you know, the other clinical personnel. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to fall short is like, hey, we have all this data, but we don't have, uh, you know, I'll steal from uh, our, our buddy, Dirk Stanley. We don't have enough architects <laughs> <laughs> to go in there and look at the data and architect what this means and how this is going to impact the workflow, the clinical workflow. Uh, that's where I think we're going to really fall short. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, I think collecting the data eventually, once you connect it to the network, it'll be fairly simple. But knowing what to do with it, understanding it, and really applying that information. Because, of course, as you mentioned before, the desire is to point AI at all this wonderful data that you've collected to come up with some sort of pattern or machine learning and come up some with some pattern of, oh, hey, if I do this, this is the outcome or the outcome improvement. Uh, but in order to do that, first, you have to normalize the data. First, you have to get the data to be relevant. Uh, that's not easy, and you're right. Yeah. I mean, we don't you have, have to tie it with the EHR data, the ERP data. The <laughs> exactly, it's it complicated really quick. <laughs> well, and and on that note, you know, John, like, what do you when you think of IOMT? What do you think the impact it will have on security and privacy? Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking of your comment about no one wants to see my eating patterns, or I, I don't know if I want to share my eating patterns. That, that's a privacy issue, right? And a lot of people, you know, may look at that and say, you know, there's definitely privacy questions. Uh, you know, it, it's such an interesting world because if you are super sick, and every super sick person that I've talked to, chronic disease, et cetera, they don't give a rip about privacy right? Like they're like, share it with everyone and anyone, anything to get me better, right? And to find solutions, et cetera. So it's interesting. Then you also have the other side, which is like, I don't want to share anything with anyone. I don't even want to go into the doctor. I don't want to share that info. So unfortunately, healthcare has to battle both of those, right? And and I I think there is the simple thing. It says, well, with consent, you can do all sorts of things, right? So, uh, you know, that that opens the door for people and allows them to share if that's what they want. But it does... um, you know, every security person I talk to, when they hear about IOMT, they use the word surface area, right? Right. The surface area now just expanded, right? And so the the risk that you're, uh, you know, to your healthcare organization just expanded because now instead of you know hundreds of devices, you have thousands of devices and thousands of locations, and and that just is harder. And so you have to address it and uh, you know and ensure that it's you know getting the latest updates, etc. You know, you have to make sure that you have a plan, you know, because HIPAA doesn't care. Right? <laughs> like HIPAA's like, okay, well, you still got to mitigate any of this risk, even though now your risk is, you know, a thousand times more. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Like I, I talked to our friends at NetScout a lot about this issue and recently just did an interview with them where we talked about, you know, this explosion in IOMT. And, you know, their point was, yes, definitely the surface area of attack is greater, but the method of attack is now different mm. as well, because now you're dealing with a device. It's not, so- it is software related, but these are hardware devices. So, you know, this requires, you know, 
people to plug something in, right? So if you have an infected USB or an infected computer that was trying to do an update to a device, I mean, this is now you've got a, a, a totally different uh, avenue of attack uh, that you have to be they, be careful of. But one of the one of the big things that they said was that's even step two. Step one is people don't even know the inventory that they have. <laughs> Right, like step one, they say in any sort of threat reduction is just know how many IONT devices you have, and then where where are they, and who do they talk to normally, right? Like you know, hey, this device is only supposed to be communicating with uh, other systems inside my hospital. Well, if that device is now communicating with something external to the hospital, well, then you know something's wrong, right? And so that's their approach to security, which I found kind of interesting, right? It's more looking at, okay, like maybe we don't have to track like every single thing that it's talking to, but I should know in general, it should only be talking to this set of systems. And so anything outside of that is a warning to me to go look at potentially a security issue or a privacy issue. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. Uh, VMware has taken a similar approach on on really the servers or desktops and things like that, uh, where they essentially profile it and say, "Who? What is the normal behavior? <laughs> right? Like, who should you be talking to normally? And if something's outside of that, let's you know maybe that's a potential issue. Let's flag it and let's investigate. Right? And, and that's a smart approach. Uh, I, I think the challenge, though, with many of these medical devices is some of them are really old. And as I mentioned, they can't afford to replace them because they're expensive devices. And so it's amazing the hoops that, you know, CISOs uh, are jumping through to put them on their own network segment and to, you know, essentially, you know, put them in the, you know, this quarantined area that allows them to still use the device without putting the rest of the network at risk. Uh, There's a lot of these hoops that they have to do, which actually fits fine for HIPAA, right? It says to mitigate the risk. It doesn't say that you're not going to have any risk. It says, have you, have you been thoughtful about your assessment and then mitigated any of those risks as best you can? And so, yeah, it, it, yeah, people are doing crazy stuff because of that. Because they can't upgrade it, they're still, I don't know, are, are they still running XP? That was the talk forever. I, I, you know, hopefully we're getting past that. <laughs> well, and, you know, I have to say this, uh, you know, definitely now IT has to be at the table when looking at clinical devices, right? Mm-hmm. I think before you could look at a bed and not have IT involved, right? <laughs> like, who cares, right? But now, because it's going to be connected, now you have to add in those requirements onto these devices. Like, you have to look at the security, you have to look at the privacy issues, you have to look at upgradability, right? And and because you're just going to have so many more devices. So, you know, I hope if anything comes out of uh, this discussion and future discussions of IOMT, that at least IT and IT's requirements have to be considered when choosing IOMT devices. It's no longer just about the clinical side or the operational side of things. Yeah, I wonder if people will lose deals on it, though. I have a feeling the conversation goes a bit like this. Hey, IT, we need you involved. Here's what you need to deal with. Deal with it. <laughs> and so then, then, then the CISO goes and says, fine, it has to be on its own network. And it has to be all this, right? Like, And this is how much it's going to take to be able to do that, right? Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think that IT is going to wield a big enough stick to say, no, we're not buying that device. It's insecure. Although I don't know, you know, with if, if they've been through a hack recently, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's the big kicker. I think that's the, the conversation you described is likely going to be the one until the day that that device was the cause of a breach, right? Yeah. Uh, or or which is not able to be patched, right? And and then there, then people go, well, why do we pick that one? And then I think at that point there'll be a lot more consideration given to those kinds of issues. But unfortunately, until then, I think it's going to be exactly the way you described it. Yep. It's a tough balance. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with com- the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.